type. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hey, you're listening to Green and Growing right here on 95.5 WSB. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca. This time of the show, you've come to expect Celebrity Gardener. My conversations with any and all Atlanta personalities, whether they be Radio, television, politicians, athletes. We even had Coach Mark Richt on recently talking about the upcoming Georgia football season. That was a great time. So with me, a colleague of mine whom I absolutely adore. We've had a couple of lunch dates and have such a blast when we get together. Katie Kiley from 97.1 The River and Afternoon Drive. Hey there, Katie. Ashley, hi. And you have to say your poker player friend, too. Come on. That's right. I forgot about those times together, and we're long overdue for that, aren't we? (laughs) Yes, we are. I always look at those hands, and I'm like, should I? And then my face face is full of doubt and gives me away. She doesn't have the poker face, but she's a good player. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good to have you on. So you are into so much right now. Despite COVID, you are staying busy, entertaining listeners, as you have for like three decades. I can't believe it. It is such a pleasure. And I still love every minute of being on the radio and, and, you know, being from Atlanta almost originally since I was 10. You know, I've been on the radio here since I was 23 and I'm about 33 now. See, those 10 years just fly by. (laughs) They really have. So many listeners that are still here that it's fun that we have lots of great memories together and, and it's just the best music. How can you not love rock and roll, you know? There's nothing else that I want to listen to other than classic rock when I'm out camping, I'm doing yard work, you're out on the lake, on the boat. I mean, you pull up 97 when the river, you're out by the pool. I love it. Mm-hmm. Makes me feel like I'm having those same experiences right there with you. Yeah, you're living vicariously through the listeners. And I mean, they always have the opportunity to call in and talk to you and tell me about the five o'clock whistle, what you do for those folks still at work. You know, that's something that started about, oh gosh, I hate to even say about 30 years ago. (laughs) And when I was on 96 Rock, which is no longer, um, at five o'clock, I would play this whistle that was, you know, the Flintstones whistle and Fred Flintstone and just this whole montage of voices and fun sounds and get me out of here and (laughs) um, BB Roadrunner. And then you have these great little snippets of songs in it. So it started like three minutes and 30 seconds. And by the time I left 96 Rock, I think it was 12 minutes and four seconds, which kept adding fun things to it. But people on Friday afternoons would just, you know, they'd know that was it. It's quitting time and it's Friday. So it's it's been a very fun thing to kind of live along with the, the radio history in Atlanta. And I've actually brought it to the river since I started doing afternoons. I was doing mornings for eight years and now I've been doing afternoons for a couple. And um, back on the afternoon is where I really like to be because I don't like to get up this early. <laughs> and I was getting up at 4.20 every morning. Yep. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it almost feels like a little bit of a time capsule. Yeah, that was back in the day where we could we could get away with playing a 12-minute long little piece like that. You know, it was funny. I ran into uh, the grocery store the other day, and Don McLean, American Pie, came on the river as I was pulling in the, the grocery store parking lot. And I literally thought to myself, I have to run in and get three things. That song is like, what, eight minutes long? I was like, I think yeah. I can run into the grocery store, come back out of the car, and that song will still be on. And sure enough... I was that fast. (laughs) (laughs) And that's fun. I'm glad you caught it because 
it's that's one of those that we haven't played in a little while, so it's really fun to hear again now because I, it's great. Yeah, I have a lot that I can learn from you as far as the people that you've met and the opportunities you've had to do live interviews with some of the most talented musicians of our times. Oh, yeah. Can I pick your brain and just ask maybe two or three of your favorite interviews that you just really connected with your subject and had such a good time? Well, Paul McCartney, like my earliest memory of being in love with a guy was Paul McCartney. I, I can remember being six or seven and oh. just staring at his picture. How weird is that? <laughs> That's so weird at all. We've all been there. <laughs> so anyway, he, um, he was one of the first shows at the Georgia Dome when the Dome opened. And I got the exclusive interview on radio with him. But McCartney, I knew about maybe two weeks in advance. Wow. I had this little notebook, and every time I could think of a question that I wanted to ask him, I'd write it down. You had two and weeks he, to be nervous, though. That's almost like a curse. I would rather find out like two days before. Yeah, I wasn't nervous. I was oh, just good. ridiculously excited. <laughs> of course, once he came in the room, I was nervous. But, yeah. you know, when you, you love these people growing up, music was so important to me, and as it is probably anybody listening right now but really and truly if he had been a jerk at all it would have broken my heart yeah and he wasn't he was wonderful and very very giving and very interesting to talk to let me think I, you know i was playing some warren zevon yesterday i got to interview warren zevon and he's passed now of course but i didn't appreciate him more until i was about 30 i guess mm-hmm. and i really started going back and getting into the deep cuts of warren zevon and he was amazing. He was just, he was fantastic with me. So I, I was a fan enough of the hit. I wish I could have interviewed him again once I started to really love a lot more of his music. And um, gosh, there, everybody was great. There was only one that wasn't. And we'll just let that go. <laughs> yeah, that person <laughs> but, can remain nameless. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, when you're talking about dozens and dozens of really big music stars and wonderful people, most of them were just so giving and, and really loved to talk about their music. Katie Kylie from 97.1 The River on Green and Growing this morning. So, of course, I can't let you go until we talk a little bit about gardening. <laughs> no, I know. I love it. <laughs> I love that you're doing this show. It's just fun for me, Katie, as I'm sure it is for you to just continuously learn. I'm learning things. I'm teaching myself things. And the listeners, and you know our Atlanta community and our listeners, are fantastic, supportive, encouraging people who just you know, make me better. They make me want to learn more. Uh, Absolutely. So tell me maybe about some of your earliest memories gardening and just what it does for you. Does it relax you? Does it stress you out? How do you feel about it? You just said that and my mind went back when you're talking about earliest memories. And my earliest memories are when I, my family is from Marblehead, Massachusetts, originally many generations of people there. I'm a daughter of the American Revolution. So we literally have all these trans of family members that go back. So there's this beautiful cemetery called Waterside Cemetery where all our relatives are buried. And I can remember as a small kid going with my grandmother and my great aunt and we would go to the graves and dead had the flowers and I and it was so it was a very um, meditative and a very very special memory in my mind of working with flowers my grandfather had a little greenhouse off the side of his house and we still have cactuses in the family that came from his greenhouse Christmas cactus and things like that so there was a big love of growing things in my family. Then when I had my own home, I became a weeder. I loved to weed (laughs) stuff. And that to me is very meditative. So you don't have a yard currently, but I know you have a huge love for our furry friends 
And so that kind of puts a damper on the uh, whole whole houseplant thing for you, doesn't it? <laughs> I love flowers. Hydrangeas are my absolute favorite. And, I, you know, I've got to get to putting some more stuff on my balcony because container gardening was always interesting to me. And I've actually been able to grow some vegetables, you know, and just, you nice. know, tomatoes and peppers I love. No, the cats are, I have two just over a year old kitten cats and they are there is nothing there's one plant in the corner up really high but that's about all I can do indoors and do you find that to be a challenge do you kind of resent the fact that you don't have a lot of space or do you absolutely love the opportunities that container gardening gives you oh that's exactly it um to me and especially at our age you know the older you get the the lawn and stuff was just what a pain and then if I loved gardening but the bugs would get to me. But container, no, I look at it like it's an opportunity to really have some things that, that um, you could grow out, yeah. out in an unusual spot. And I think container gardening, too, you're able to stay on top of it a little bit better because it is right there out on the balcony. You're able to visit it very conveniently and check on it often. So those vegetables probably thrive. They do. And I'm on a side that's got a lot of sun. And so, yeah, they Big time, big time. I just have to worry about tomatoes um, falling off onto somebody down below. (laughs) Someone just walking down the street and a tomato falls on them. That's awesome. You run inside really quickly when that happens. (laughs) That's right. Oh, God. Didn't come from here. That makes me think of the little guys on the Muppets, the two little balcony guys that just want to throw tomatoes. Remember them? (laughs) There you go. God, I can't remember their names, the old men on the balcony and the Muppets. No, but I can see them. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, it's been so good to chat with you. You too, Katie. We got to get together soon once all this COVID stuff's over and we're just like ships passing in the night here at the station. I leave in the mornings, you come in in the afternoons, but you're killing it in the afternoon drive. Folks love to hear you. And if they miss you on 97.1 The River 3 to 7, tell them about the podcast. Oh, absolutely. It's Two Girls Talking, the number two, and you can find it wherever you find your podcast. It's Melissa Ruggieri. She's the music critic for the AJC. And she and I talk music and I play some of my old interviews and we interview people today. You know, it's, it's just a lot of fun. So there are tons of episodes, like 50 episodes that you can catch up on now. And we'll be having a new one coming out soon. Perfect. Well, Katie, Kylie, thank you so much for joining me on the show this morning and enjoy your weekend. I hope we catch up soon. Ashley, thank you for having me. All right. We'll talk to you soon. And we will be right back on Green and Growing here on 95.5 WSB. Jason, great job of the country music this morning. Kenny Chesney, I love it. Welcome back to Green and Growing. It's 724 on a Saturday morning. The sun's starting to rise, 68 degrees, still hovering kind of around 70. If you're out in the car, open the sunroof, roll the windows down. It's absolutely beautiful outside right now, but it may not be the case later on today. Finley Roofing sponsors this weather update, and Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz predicting a 60% chance for showers today, high around 84, 86, scattered thunderstorms, and the same for tomorrow, but a little lower chance for afternoon thunderstorms, down to about 40%, and then, yeah, it's going to rain the rest of the week, so... That's Georgia for you. 404-872-0750. Down to Clayton County. Good morning, James, in Forest Park. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Ashley. It's so uh, good to this, hear from you. What's going on? It's so good to hear from you guys, too. What it is, I, I got a small garden in my backyard trying to grow some vegetables of my own. And um, I checked my long string beans the other day, and um, there's this little insect that's ravaging my foliage. Mm. I, it's, I look down at it, and it's real, real tiny. It's, 
It's, it's sort of a microscopic little insect, and he's destroying my foliage. And my bees are blooming now. I'm getting ready to tie them up. And but my foliage, this little this little animal is destroying my foliage on my beans. Could you help me with that? So it's good that you've identified it, James, because I don't want to just all crazy tell you to use certain you know insecticides that we don't know what we're targeting. So it's definitely not a worm, right? It's not a worm. It's yep. just little little tiny little guy. He moves around on the leaf, and I knock him off, and they're real tiny. So my guess is that without seeing a picture, either maybe an aphid or a spider mite. So some good news, you've got it identified. You at least know kind of what classification of insect you're dealing with. So there's a couple of different things. First of all, just really good practices, James, in the garden. So, you know, you've got it properly mulched and watering from the bottom, you know, watering down around the base of the plant, not keeping the leaves wet to attract any kind of fungus disease or unwanted pests. And then also once you've got proper identification for what you have, picking out the right product. So one of the most effective may be neem oil, N-E-E-M. Neem oil is certified organic, and it's good for aphids and spider mites and white flies, just the tiny little things like that that fly. So that's going to be one proper application of that and being vigilant, you know, applying it at the right times and being out there checking everything. And it's so key to, to apply all of these things to the tops and the bottoms of the leaves and also... Uh, a garden insect spray with spinosad. That is another like another one you could use with spinosad. But the only thing with that, that kind of like paralyzes a bug's uh, nervous system. So that's how right. it kills them. But that is toxic to bees too. And we know we want the bees. We've talked about pollinators today. We want those in our garden. So to keep it away from bees, I mean, that may be your second choice. It's not the best option, but only apply it in the late evening once the bees have kind of gone to sleep and once the plants aren't blooming. Because obviously once you've got blooms on some of these newer plants for the cool season vegetables, uh, we definitely want the flowers and then the bees are going to visit the flowers and pollinate them. So let's start with neem oil or even seven, S-E-V-I-N, you know, the common uh, garden insect killer, that dust, seven dust, that may be well for you too, James. So thanks for being vigilant, figuring out what you've got. Go ahead and start with those. And I want to hear back from you. I want to hear back from you too when you've got some vegetables. Let me know. Jan in Milledgeville, you're going to be up next. But first, got to take a break here on Green and Growing on WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Can't wait to hear what you've got on your mind this Saturday morning. Hey, Ashley Frasca here on Green and Growing live in the studio for another hour and a half. We are halfway through episode number, I don't know, 30-something, maybe even 40 of Green and Growing. So thanks for listening to the show. Since February 1st, we've been doing this and having a really, really good time. And I appreciate all of your encouragement and support. This is a fun show, and I'm glad we still have Walter Reeves former host of the Lawn and Garden Show, part of the show every Saturday morning at 6.30. So if you're not up yet and you missed that about an hour ago, you'll be able to uh, go to wspradio.com a little bit later, just after the show, and listen back. Walter and I talking about pollinators today. Next week, I think we're going to be talking about ants. So a lot of you 
email me quite frustrated with ant problems in the lawn. So that is Walter's hot topic next Saturday. You'll want to tune in for sure. But uh, visit WSBradio.com. Click on On Demand and just keep scrolling down until you see the weekend shows. And my podcasts are there. Every hour of the show is posted separately. So you can just take it in little bits and pieces. I think, hey, by the time we take the commercials out, it's like 28 minutes or 31 minutes that you can listen to in a nutshell. Ready to take your calls and have you on the air. Give me a break. 404-872-0750. So up first, it's Jan in Milledgeville. Good morning, Jan. Good morning. Um, We have a centipede lawn, and of course, it's been a hot summer, but we've had a lot of rain here. And overall, our centipede lawn is doing great. It's beautiful because not only have we had rain, but sun, and we've taken care of it as far as fertilizing and everything. But we've got a patch on, you know, on the side of our front of our house where it's it's dead. And, it, I mean, I keep telling my husband, I think we're starting to see some green coming back, but it's, we're really not. Mm-hmm. And trying to figure out what might be causing that. I mean, I've dug it up, and I don't see any type of bugs or anything in there. Any thoughts? It could be a couple of different things. Um, Irregular-shaped patterns of, like, dead grass that have just kept on getting larger and larger from midsummer until about now. What what area? I mean, are you talking three to six feet or not quite that large yet? Uh, no, a little larger than that, definitely. Um, you know, maybe about 10 feet or so, but not, you know, not a huge, but it, it's good 10 feet, I would say. Oh, gosh. Okay, so I'll leave this up to you, Jan, to determine. But one, it just could be drought conditions. So making sure that you're evenly watering the lawn every week, at least an inch per week. And obviously this week, I think we're good. I, I think you've had enough. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, of- centipede decline this late in the summer is pretty common, um, no matter what you've got. It also could lead back to how you all have mowed throughout the summer, mowing too high or too low. Um, so really, it always needs to be mowed between one and three quarter inches, one and one three, well, one and 1.75, you know, inches high. So you want to mow it a little less than two inches high for the best height for centipede. And also it it has such success with the runners, you know, that grow off of the centipede lawn. So another option, what, what could be done is that dead area, really start to dethatch that, make sure you've got almost bare soil in that area so that the runners are able to grab onto something and quickly spread and kind of migrate into that spot because they can tell, you know, that that's a spot that they have free range and they'll be able to kind of fill in. That might be successful too. A lot of times what will happen is if we use a pre-emergent herbicide, which a lot of us try to do that on our lawn to get ahead of weeds that are going to, or seeds that are going to germinate, you know, in in the weeds that we don't want, that pre-emergent will set up like a barrier, almost a herbicide barrier on the top of the lawn. And those runners, even though they're not seed, it almost acts as a barrier to where they're not able to really make good soil contact. So whether it's a pre-emergent that you've used, you know, at some point or not, I would just kind of roughen up that area a little bit and give the runners a chance to fill it in. So when you say rough up, you mean uh, just try to pull up that it's, because it's dead. I mean, it's yeah. It's I would dead. I would rake it away. I would rake away whatever's there, um, and just almost leave it to bare soil. And also, it is a good time to fertilize now in August. But with that being said, shouldn't over fertilize centipede as well. So as long as y'all are staying on like a good track, maybe you know back in May you fertilized, and now that's really the only two times of the year you need to do. We did that just recently, right? Okay. The fertilizer. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's just it's really susceptible to not being mowed to the proper heights and to over fertilization. And also, like I said, drought conditions. I mean, it could be like I said, I'm going to leave that up to you because I don't know what the rain levels have been uh, over this summer in Milledgeville. But that's kind of a good start for you, maybe. But just making the best environment for those runners, save yourself some time and money and just kind of let Mother Nature cover it back over and do its thing. Okay, and when you say the runners, so dethatch the area that's dead and then just let the others, the rest of the lawn just work itself into that area. Yeah, I would. That's the best and quickest way that it's going to spread. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so good luck. I'm glad to hear the rest of it is doing really, really well, though. You just never know, you know, and I mean, when you look at that spot in the lawn, that's a fairly large area. Um, just make sure it's not getting shade from some tree you know as the sun moves across the sky make sure that if there's a large oak tree nearby or something crazy that for you know two hours as the sun's in the sky it's just casting a huge shade over that spot as well but I think you're doing pretty well and it sounds like you're on time with the fertilization so thank you very much for the call Jan good luck 404-872-0750 Michael in Vinings good morning welcome to the show Hey, Ashley, good morning. Um, what I'm calling about, I'm in my 40s, and I have never had the pleasure of trying uh, a pawpaw fruit. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know where in the world I would go to, to to maybe buy some and give it a try. And I was hoping maybe you knew a fruit stand or a local farm or something here in North Georgia that would, that would sell me some pawpaws. Gosh, I'm sure that people are shouting at the radio right now of some of their local places. And you're in Cobb County, right? That's correct. Okay. Let me look up. I forget where J. Moore Farms, that's in Alto, Georgia. Ugh, that's kind of far away. But J. Moore Farms has had a heck of a year. They have been so successful, but that's way up past Gainesville, so that's a little too Oh, far that's for okay. You. Sometimes I'm actually in that area. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, I may, I may check that out. Um, but uh, it sounds like an interesting fruit. Um, I think I might like it because I do like bananas, and I've heard it has kind of a banana flavor. It does. Um, it almost, when you look at the green fruit, reminds me of a cross between a banana and like a really thin bell pepper, almost, is kind of how it looks. Yeah. So that yeah, may so, be, uh, and if you can, you know, if you try the fruit and you like it and you want to try a tree, um, they are very slow to come on, but this is their time of year right now to shine. And actually, some people have started it from seed with success. That is really, really difficult. But if you were to plant it now, you literally would not see anything from that seed until next summer. So that's like just sit and wait, sit and wait kind of thing. Um, but folks yeah, that success. is that is a long time. But yeah, <laughs> if I if I uh, if I like the fruit, I, I'm definitely going to consider planting some because I think we have some good places to do that yeah. in my area in my yard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and you being in Cobb County, I mean that's that's a good climate where it's not going to get too cold like it would in North Georgia. I think Pawpaw's got a good chance of survival there. But yeah, Jay Moore Farms just right off the top of my head off Cornelia Highway. That's one of the first places I could think north of Don Carter. You know, State Park, if you head up that way. But my gosh, if anyone else knows and you listen just for a little bit, Michael, hopefully they can, you know, shout out and give us uh, some places to get it. Well, that sounds good. It sounds like I called at the right time of year because they're probably ripening right about now. They are. This is a great time for them for sure. So I hope you can enjoy some and find some and let us know. Okay. I'll do that. Great. Thanks, Michael. Four oh four. Good morning. Have a good day. 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750. Anything that you want to try, even if it's something I'm not as familiar with, like Michael, I've not had pawpaw fruit before. But So the tree is P-A-W, P-A-W, pawpaw tree. 
And that is just such a Southern thing that I think of when I think of that and mimosas and magnolias. It just all kind of goes hand in hand there. So earlier in the show, I did say that I wanted to talk to you about seeding. We were just talking to Jan about her centipede lawn. And I had a message from someone earlier, Tim, who wanted to seed Bermuda. That's kind of how I started the show. Um, Overseeding Bermuda prime time for that is going to be in October. And just uh, giving that you know, seed a uh, chance to germinate, and it will. Uh, October, the soil and air temperatures are still enough. But I had to ask Walter, I think I ask him this every year, and the answer never really sticks. Um, I've got fescue. So fescue is on the decline right now. It's just been so hot. It's not looking good. I talked earlier in the show about the weeds that are just overrunning my fescue. They've gotten ahead of me. Um, Dayflower is one. And also rabbit tobacco is another that's just going absolutely crazy, just to name a few. So we're getting into the time of year, especially towards September, to where we think about pre-emergent, right? We think about using that product that is going to prevent weeds. And you've got to use it for at least a year and a half at the proper times, like maybe back in March and then September. Use it for a cycle and a half at least to really get ahead of whether you're going to have the summer weeds or the winter weeds that you're preventing. So what that pre-emergent herbicide does, like I was telling Jan, it's going to stop any seed from germinating. So my question to Walter was, okay, well, we, we were very, very successful with a fall application of a fescue seed last year. So we're going to do that same thing. So at what point do I want to do the seed and the pre-emergent so that they don't counteract each other? Because that pre-emergent doesn't know that's grass seed. It just sees it as a seed and it's going to want to go after it and prohibit it from growing. So Walter's advice for those of you, this is with a with a cool season grass, something like a fescue, is to do the grass seed first. So you really have to start thinking about that now. Doing the grass seed first, and then I think it's a good six to seven weeks that you want to wait and then use a pre-emergent. Because by time that fescue seed has had six to seven weeks, let's say mid-October, to start growing and get to the blady grass that it needs to be, the little bright green you know shoots that you'll start to see coming up, then it's no longer seed. So then six or seven weeks later, just read the, read the bag of pre-emergent to make sure my timing is right there. But then when you use the pre-emergence, that is going to completely not hurt the fescue because it's no longer seed. It's become grass. But that is still not too late to be thinking about putting the pre-emergent at that point to prevent some of those winter and early spring seeds. So something to think about. As gardeners, we always almost have to be one step ahead. Like right now, a lot of you wanting to start cool season vegetables from seed. Yeah, you're going to do that now, but you got to make sure you're giving the proper window to give them time to become plants to then plant, and you're going to have them through the winter time before a really hard frost kills them off. So just something to think about. 404 872 is the number on Green and Growing. And we're going to be right back. And stay tuned at 8 o'clock. Becky Griffin from the University of Georgia in the Extension Office, the coordinator of the Great Georgia Pollinator Census, is going to join us. And if you have any questions about what you can be doing for pollinators in your area, give us a call. We'll be back on WSB. Brad Paisley. I swear I could play name that tune. Like I can hear the first couple of notes of a country song and I know. And prime country? Oh my goodness. On serious? I shouldn't say that. But 80s and 90s? 
country. Wow, I've been just so uh, reminiscent the last few days, just bopping along, listening back to country songs of my childhood. Jason, you're doing a fantastic job with Modern Day Country right here on WSB. So the weather brought to you by Finley Roofing today. Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz predicting a 60% chance for showers today. High in the mid-80s, lows around 70 and scattered thunderstorms tomorrow. That rain chance is 40% partly cloudy and scattered storms. I think we're going to take more calls here. we got a couple minutes. 404-872-0750. Up next, Charles in Hogansville. Hey, Charles, good morning. Hey, how are you doing? Very good. So you've got a fun question. What is it? Um, well, I'm, I just started potatoes and, you know, I just, they're not growing. I, I've been doing it for like a month and nothing's sprouting. I started from a, a little jar, gave a little sprout and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And then I put it in the ground and it's not doing nothing. I put fertilizer on it. Maybe that'll help it out. So did I'm you take maybe it I'm like in the wrong season? Well, someone gave you like the eye of a potato, like when yes. it starts to grow. Yes. Hmm. So I'm almost wondering if the the soil just didn't stay wet enough when you planted it, because it should be sending off potato vines like crazy. Do you see anything? I don't see nothing. Ah. Okay. So here's here's a little tip too. I did the same thing maybe back in July, which was a tad late. But still okay. I did that from um, a purple sweet potato somebody gave me. I'd never seen the fleshy part of the potato be purple. I had always seen orange. But wow. Yeah, it was so crazy. So I actually took that eye off and let it grow some roots in shallow water, like a little tiny, tiny flower vase, and let it grow roots. So that was key, too. You have to actually make sure it has a root system and a structure before putting it into the soil. So I did that and then put it in really, really good garden soil. Uh, make sure, you know, I did it in a pot, but of course the the lawn and the in the ground, same thing. Just make sure it has really good drainage too. So sweet potatoes, we're past the time of that. And I think we're coming up on harvest for some of them here pretty soon, Charles. But it's not too late now if you did want to try Irish potatoes. Um, this is more of the time for the fall planting dates for Irish potatoes. But we're a little behind so what you would need to do prior to the prime time to plant is, like I said, take that eye and don't just stick it in the ground. Let it establish a little bit of a root system first. Um, yeah, well-drained soil, good soil, good garden soil. Um, fer- fertilizer is, of course, going to help, but uh, I haven't found it to be necessary. And I hope someone will call and let me know when it is time to harvest because I've got those vines, and I've always heard once the vines kind of start to wilt and the leaves on the vines start to wilt. That's an indicator because obviously you're not going to see if the potatoes are ready. They're underground. Um, that's a good indicator as to when they're ready to harvest. So, Charles, yeah, try that. Maybe Irish potatoes, maybe we're not too late out of the realm to try that. See how quickly you can get some roots on one in a little flower vase and give it a shot. You'll never know until you try. And the good thing is it's free. Something easy to do that's free. Thanks for the call. So we'll talk to Carol and Marietta, Joe and Cumming and Mark and Dawsonville and Becky Griffin from the University of Georgia about her special project coming up in minutes on Green and Growing on WSB Radio.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.